you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 60 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. Thanks so much for tuning in. How are you? How you doing? How was the weekend? I had a great weekend. I saw Paw Patrol live. What a life-changing experience. But thanks so much for tuning in. I can't believe this is the 60th. 6-0. That is insane. I can't believe I've been doing 60 episodes about, about the Boston Celtics. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you haven't subscribed yet on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Music or whatever fine podcast application you're listening to, please do so. It'd be greatly appreciated. Leave a review if you'd like. And you can always find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. Not the greatest week for the Boston Celtics. Hope you had a better week than they did. The Celtics went 1-2 last week. They first off beat the Cleveland Cavaliers to get their 10th win in a row at TD Garden, 110-88. to Then they went on the road and lost to the Philadelphia, not the Philadelphia 76ers, the Indiana Pacers, 122-117. to And then they came back to TD Garden and lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, 115-106, to which ended their undefeated streak at home at TD Garden, which was a little disappointing. But what's more disappointing is the fact that this team has yet to beat a, a team with a winning record on the road. That is not ideal. Not ideal at all. Like, think about that. The Celtics have played a handful of road games, probably eight or nine games, and they have not beaten a team with a winning record on the road. Not ideal. But 17-7 and seven so far this year. They dropped to fourth place overall in the Eastern Conference. They're a game behind the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat, who are tied for second and third, and they're half a game up of the Toronto Raptors, who are currently in fifth, which means the Celtics are currently second place in the Atlantic Division. Let's get right into it. Let's recap the Cavs game. There really wasn't a lot to say about this blowout win. They won by 22 points, but I will say that Shemi Ojale had another great defensive game for them. He played very well. He had four steals, active as always, did everything that he was supposed to do with Marcus Smart out. Now, some people, I was talking to someone uh, recently saying maybe... Shemi can be Marcus Smart. I've actually heard a couple people say that. I just don't think that's the case. I feel like Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of the of the Celtics. This is what this team is all about, like what Marcus Smart is. And I just don't want to get rid of him. Like, I understand, like, if we can get a big name to get rid of Marcus Smart, maybe you can persuade me. But he is the heart and soul of this team. He, You could argue that he should be the captain of this basketball team. I don't think there's a captain this year. I don't think there should be a captain this year. But... It's it's tough to debate if Marcus Smart should be part of any trade option because I think it was Saturday night at midnight that basically all the trades in the NBA were allowed to happen. Basically, anyone who signed over the summer could now be traded to a different team like an Ennis Cantor, uh, Daniel Tice just because of the way his uh, 
deal works out with the Celtics, the fact that he was drafted by the Celtics, he can't be traded until January 15th. I'm not saying they should be trading Cantor and Tice, but I'm just informing you that that should be the case. But anyways, I really thought the week started off great for the Celtics. Gordon Hayward was returning. They started the game off very well. They got a W. I mean, Hayward was fantastic, I thought. And what I mean by fantastic is the fact that this dude missed four weeks and he came back, was a plus 14 had 14 points, five boards, four assists, and I don't care who they played. The fact that he can come back like that and play that well at home with the so many people were talking about how well he played and then the fact that this the fact that he got hurt, will the Celtics be the same and the Celtics still played well without him and he it didn't phase him in any way shape or form. Obviously, he isn't 110% yet because he needs to get there mentally, he needs to get there physically with his hand. I watched him every single possession defensively, and it seemed like he went through screens confidently. It looks like he wasn't afraid to hurt his hand because of of that plate that's in there, and hopefully his hand is healing well. So good to see Gordon Hayward back. And the great thing about Gordon Hayward that I wish Jason Tatum would take from him is Gordon Hayward creates such good shots for himself. Even if he gets in like tough situations and he makes he takes easy shots. You know, sure, if it's a fadeaway with a defender in his face, it's only seven or eight feet away from the basket. When Jason Tatum dribbles, 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 and goes, ah, shit, step back, jacks it up. If it goes in, grab somebody sexy, tell him, hey, but if he misses it, you're like, dude, you got to be kidding me. So that's, I think, a huge difference between Hayward and Tatum, but Hayward's been in the league for a long time. Tatum's getting better, game by game, kind of, sort of. Speaking about Jason Tatum in this game, he had a double-double, shot the ball well from three, and he just looked very confident in this game. And I understand it's the Cleveland Cavaliers, but I need more confidence and I need more consistency, not only from Jalen Brown, but from Jason Tatum as well. I feel like he wanted to be the reason why they won this game, and I think he did a very, very good job doing it. Kemba played well. Jalen played well. Daniel Tice had some good minutes, especially against Tristan Thompson, but he only got one rebound in this game. So he like played well, but it's just like, dude, you only got one rebound in this game. And in the words of the great poet Kanye West, beggars can't be choosers. Bitch, this ain't Chipotle. Another good thing about this Cleveland Cavaliers game that I thought for the Celtics was their three-point defense. Remember during the week of Thanksgiving, I was just like, Jesus Christ, these guys cannot defend the three-point line in any way, shape, or form. The Nets absolutely went off that Wednesday before Turkey Day and on Black Friday as well, but... I also understand it's the Cavs. They don't have ideal three-point shooters, but the Celtics were contesting shots. They were closing out on shooters, and I really thought that was a great thing. And speaking about three-point shooting, Grant Williams finally made a three-pointer after he was the dud of the sudden the dud last week on episode 59 of the Banner Branch podcast. I had to pick him because I was so happy about the, you know, the way that the team played last week, the way that they came together. They got some solid wins last week, you know, against the Nuggets and the Heat and you know, the Knicks, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't like how Jalen Brown basically used bulletin board material towards Ben Simmons saying they were calling him, they were calling Grant Williams Ben Simmons because he didn't hit a three yet. So not ideal choice of words by Jalen Brown. And does that mean he could be the dud of the week? You will just have to wait and see. I promise you, you will enjoy the stud and dud this week if it even is a stud and dud this week. So there's your little teaser, if you will. But Grant Williams hit a three. Congratulations. Never hit or never shoot another three-pointer again. Let's get into the Pacers game, the first frustrating game of last week with the Boston Celtics. Let me start off by saying that Gordon Hayward has the worst injury luck in the history of injury luck ever. I mean, 
this dude, he had a terrible ankle injury, and then he broke his hand. Like, he, it, I just feel bad for him in plain English. Like, I hate the saying he can't catch a break when he just, like, broke his hand or it's just coming back from a broken hand, but he really does have shitty luck. It is, it is absolutely hilarious. I mean, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, he got hit in the face by Doug Mc, Dougie McDermott, a.k.a. Dougie McBuckets, back in his college days. Where'd he go? DePaul? Is that where he played? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But he got hit right in the face. Obviously, it was accidental. It looked like he broke his nose, but the way that like he was standing up and then fell to a knee, you're like, oh my god, he has a concussion, and he's going to be in concussion protocol, and he's going to miss another two weeks. And then, uh, I'm like, my mind just went in a deep, deep dark hole. I mean, he didn't have a great game in this game anyways, but with Jalen Brown falling out with foul trouble, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, I just didn't like to see Gordon Hayward get hurt, but he came back the next day, played against Philadelphia 76ers. He just had a really bad headache. He didn't show any signs of, con- of concussions, which was really, really good. Speaking of really, really good, let's talk about the really, 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 really good game that Kemba Walker had. A flat-out incredible game by Kemba Walker. Really a wasted game for him. And you guys know from the start, when the season started on, what was it, October 23rd against the Philadelphia 76ers, I've, I don't want to say complaining, I've just been hoping that we could get a full 48-minute game from Kemba Walker. I'm not saying play all 48 minutes, but just from the start of the first quarter to the end of the fourth quarter, for have him be lights out and he finally did it it's just that they lost and this was a fun Kemba Walker this was the Kemba Walker you would see once or twice a week in Charlotte where he would just carry a team to victory 44 points seven made three-pointers seven assists literally put the entire team on his shoulder and it just didn't work out if they won this game. This is one of those performances where Boston media, national media would be drooling all over Kemba Walker and saying, can't Kemba Walker carry the Boston Celtics to the promised land? But since they lost, no one talks about it, and it's bullshit in plain English. But this was a very confusing game for me because the Celtics should have won this game. And I really and truly believe that because they played sloppy turnovers screwed them over in this game. They had 15 turnovers, and they committed four turnovers in less than three minutes in the fourth quarter when they were up 10 and lost the lead. The Celtics were going into the fourth quarter up 10, and then the Holiday brothers beat them. Aaron and I don't even know what the other one's name is. All I know is Bah Humbug. I don't like the Holidays to begin with. And then you have the two Holiday brothers. One of them's a rookie. Beat you. That like the Celtics were up ten. The bench came in to start the fourth. Per use, you know, four guys and then a starter, like Brad always does. I've I'm content with it. And this dude, I think it was was it Aaron Holiday? I don't know which Holiday brother it was, but they both went off. They went on like an eight oh run when the Celtics had those four turnovers. The Celtics didn't get back defensively, and it was so annoying. Our bench isn't great. A lot of teams outplay our bench. It, it, It's a thing. Danny's going to have to do something. We can talk about that later, but it's December, so let's not freak out about it yet. Even though the tone of my voice sounds like I'm freaking out about it, but I'm not because I understand I shouldn't freak out yet because patience is a virtue. But the Celtics bench got outscored 24-6 to in the fourth quarter. The Pacers' bench bench 
outscored the entire Celtics team 24-3 in the fourth quarter. That is not how you win basketball games. Like, are you flipping kidding me? The entire team got outscored by the Indiana Pacers bench. The Holiday Brothers. Dougie McBuckets. And I don't know who else is on the bench for the Pacers. Like, ugh. So frustrating. So, so frustrating. But I do have something good to say. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Jalen Brown had eight assists. I repeat, Jalen Brown had eight assists in this game. That's so amazing, right? Isn't that incredible? Jalen Brown, the guy that I needed to pass the ball more. The guy that I predicted would average five assists a game. I, oh man, I love, he got five assists in the first half. Like, are you kidding me? I didn't even know Jalen Brown could do that. I didn't know it was in his DNA. It was absolutely unbelievable. I I don't think I've ever been so happy to be a Jalen Brown fan in my entire life. Like, are you kidding me? And it only moved his assists up to 2.2 assists per game (laughs) to get eight assists in one game it only moved it up to 2.2 assists a game but none of that mattered because of how stupid he was defensively oh my god some of the fouls that Jalen Brown created that night I was furious you like to fall out in the fourth quarter when Tatum's not having a great game Jalen was having a good game they needed him in this game and he committed some Dumb, dumb fouls. And then it completely made me forget about how great he was dishing the ball off, penetrating to the basket, finding the open man, getting his teammates involved, etc., etc. Oh, my God. It was furious. I was furious. But back to some positivity. I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job against Sabonis and Turner. The two of them combined for 28 points, 18 boards, both below their averages, like combined, which I thought was great. I thought Evan Turner was terrible. He seemed off. He didn't seem into the game. Brad has always done a good job against them. See the four games against the Pacers last year in the playoffs. Again, I know last year is a different team, not only for the Pacers, but for the Celtics as well. But I think Brad has always done a good job figuring out how his big man can defend uh, did I just say Evan Turner? I meant to say Miles Turner. I think I realized I said Evan Turner. Who doesn't meet m- meet? Who doesn't miss that meat wad sounding basketball player by the name of Evan Turner? Anyways, do I do I think the Celtics can beat this Pacers team in the playoffs in like a seven game series? Absolutely. Like if we see the Pacers again in the first round, like we did last year, and we have home court advantage, I'm not concerned about it. They are a good team, and it will not be a sweep in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion, because I do think there are some things that the Pacers do very well that the Celtics don't like doing in any way, shape, or form. I was pumped and pleased to see how well the Celtics came out in the third quarter because they didn't have a great second quarter. They had a lovely first quarter. It was terrific. But the third quarter really, really impressed me. They attacked the rim. Their ball movement is awesome, and we can all agree, I've talked about it for the last two or three weeks, when the Celtics move the ball and get their defenders on their heels, they are a really, really good team, and that's when they can make some open shots. They weren't allowing the Pacers to get any second-chance points. They outscored them by 14 in that third quarter, and you're like, this game is in the bag. Absolutely in the bag. But you just need more consistency with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. 
You really and truly do. If Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown played an average game that they have this year with Kemba dropping 44 points, the fourth quarter we wouldn't even have to have worried about. I wouldn't be angry at Jalen that he fouled out instead of having any assists, etc., etc. Okay? But now that this Pacers recap is over, let's go in to a segment that I have only done once before in the 60 ep- or the first 59 episodes in episode 60 we're going to be doing this clip for the second time because of how angry I am and now it is time for your Celtics dud and dud and another dud and unfortunately another dud Another dud of the week. Can't find anybody. Now he does. It's Kevin Walker coming out of the crowd setting to Tatum for three. Yes! Jason Tatum cuts it for one. 35 points. For Embiid hitting the clutch free throws, 25 seconds to play, and it's a three-point game. Oh, look out! Off the collision, ball ends up out of bounds. Richardson again. Okay, let's get into the dud, and dud, and dud, and dud, and dud of the week. As you just heard, as you just heard. I don't know if I want mentally and physically to feel the anger again that I felt on Thursday night at TD Garden when I saw the final inbound play with about 25 seconds left that the Boston Celtics tried to execute. So, let's start it off here. Dud number one is Jason Tatum. Dude, it was a made free throw. You can run the baseline. You're allowed, you're allowed to run up and down that baseline like there's no tomorrow. You could have, you could have done it, 16s. Do you guys know what 16s are? If you don't know what 16s are, 16s are basically running side to side on the court, basically the length of the baseline, and you have to do it 16 times in a minute. I used to love doing that drill playing in high school. I absolutely loved doing that drill drill because I'm insane. But dead number one is Jason Tatum for not realizing that he could have run the baseline to pass the ball in. It was a made free throw. You're allowed to do that. That's common sense in basketball. Dud number two is Jalen Brown. Sure, did he get fouled, but he did not do it properly. The second Josh Richardson tried to reach over his back, if he reached his arm out and stepped out closer to the 76ers bench and then fell over, he would have gotten that call and it would have been a foul before the ball got inbounded, which means they get a free throw, which means Kemba Walker goes to the line, which means the lead goes down from three to two. So now, then if they hit a three, they take the lead. And if they hit a two, you could go into overtime and hopefully beat them. So Jalen Brown, A for effort, C minus for execution, dud number two. Dud number three, Gordon Hayward, what were you doing? Act like you've been there before. Be aware. Just don't jog up and down the court and then kind of jog to come back to the ball. Sprint. Get the ball. You're like our point forward. 
Make it happen. Go get the mother effing basketball. Because Kemba Walker was double team in the corner. Good job, 76ers. I hate the 76ers, but that was a good job. So if you see Jason Tatum's dumb enough not to run the baseline, and if you see Jalen Brown on the floor, run back. Run back. Get the ball. <laughs> like, ugh. And then Daniel Tice, what are you doing? What are you, what are you in La La Land? Just jogging back like, la la la. Those guys will get the ball. I'll set a screen for them, and hopefully they can hit a three. Like, come on. Come the F on. Like, help out your team. Help out your team, please. I understand you didn't play a lot of minutes because Joel Embiid made you his bitch. But with that being said, come back, get the basketball, hold it up high, and if they follow you, that's okay. You're a reasonable free throw shooter. We'd all be content with that. We really and truly shoot. And then number five, Brad Stevens. Oh, my God. You had a timeout left. Oh, my God. You had a timeout left. What? What were you thinking? What were you watching? What were you doing? Oh my God! This this season, I Brad Stevens has driven me nuts. It's like you know getting into a fight with your significant other. Like it's driving me nuts. I love Brad. I never get angry at Brad. But call the timeout. Call the mother bleeping timeout. You had one. If you see Jason Tatum's dumb enough not to run the baseline, and you see Kemba's being double teamed, and then you see Gordon and Tice like playing thumb wars on the other end of the court, and they're not sprinting to get the ball back, just call the timeout. Call the timeout. But why don't we recap the 76ers game before that stupid inbounds play that I will never, ever forget. So the Celtics, they lost a tough game. I mean, let's be serious. I don't want to give the 76ers a lot of credit because Marcus Smart was playing, but I also don't want to give the Celtics a lot of credit either because Al Horford wasn't playing. And speaking of Al Horford, let me just say this. I, I, I understand why Al Horford didn't get a tribute video. Goes to, the, goes to the rivals. We've had beef with the 76ers for a long time. If the Celtics organization's mad at him for that, fine. Fine. And he wasn't playing, so again, like Isaiah Thomas, doesn't, you know, he shouldn't be getting the video tribute if he's not playing, etc., etc. With that being said, I am glad that the Celtics did put the camera on him during a timeout, and people gave him a standing ovation. Al Horford deserves a standing ovation. Al Horford brought this team to the playoffs every single year he was here. Al Horford was our first major free agent that signed for this basketball team since, like, Vietnam. We should all be thankful for Al Horford. I, you know, Kyrie... Kemba, Gordon Hayward. I know Kyrie was in a trade, but Kemba, Gordon Hayward, those type of guys don't come here unless Al Horford realized that, hey, as a free agent, it's okay to come and play for the Boston Celtics. So I salute Al Horford for that. I will always love Al Horford. I'm not happy about his decision about going to the Philadelphia 76ers in any way, shape, or form, but I'm glad Celtics fans acted properly for once. Speaking of things that should have been done properly, did anyone watch... Mattis Thibel, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he's numbers, uh, number 22. Did anyone watch Grant Williams out there? I think he's number 12 for the uh, Boston Celtics. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics in the 2019 NBA draft that happened in June literally tr- basically traded those players for each other. The Celtics originally drafted Mattis Thibel at 20 and then traded down to go tr- draft Grant Williams couple things here. Oh, by the way, Carson Edwards was part of that deal because then 
the 76ers also gave the Celtics a 33rd pick. So when you watch Mattis Thibel, do you think that he is better than Grant Williams and Carson Edwards combined so far this season? I'll answer that for you. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes. Now, coming into the draft, I wasn't a huge fan of Thibault's shooting. I thought he was just going to be another Marcus Smart, an insane defender that would good luck getting by him. Kemba had some struggles with him at times, and maybe down the road he could become a good three-point shooter. And whatever the Philadelphia 76ers did with him, they couldn't figure out with Markel Fultz's jump shot. But the Philadelphia 76ers found a way to make this kid a, I don't want to say an elite, but a very solid 3 and D wing for this team. The perfect bench guy that they need if Tobias Harris is off, he's in foul trouble. If Josh Richardson's off, this kid can come in off the bench. It is He is fantastic, and to see how Grant Williams does some does the little things right, and to see Carson Edwards really not get a lot of playing minutes. And then to also see, you know, how Romeo Lankford's doing. It's really not an ideal situation. Brandon Clark is playing lights out. I was reading an article on Sports Illustrated the other day. Yeah, I still read Sports Illustrated. Get over it. They were going to redo the NBA draft. Romeo Lankford was 15th, and Brandon Clark was 8th. Brandon Clark got drafted, uh, I think, 23rd or 24th. That's how good Brandon Clark is. And Mattis Theibel was also in the top 10. That's how good he is this year. So I, once again, believe that the Celtics messed up the 2019 NBA draft. I really and truly do. I enjoy Carson Edwards. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. I think Grant Williams is a good, fun, positive guy for the locker room. But that positive energy ain't going to win you basketball games on the court. Shout out to my boy, Romeo Langford. You still suck. All right. Anyways, the Celtics came out solid first quarter, reasonable second quarter, and you're like, okay, I love how this team will always come out strong in the third quarter. So you're like, because usually it's, so far this season, it's been meh first, woohoo second quarter. In the years past, it's been woohoo first and meh second quarter. But you can always rely that the Celtics will come out and play a strong third quarter. And they didn't. And it made me want to scream. They only scored 21 points. They missed 11 shots inside the free throw line in the third quarter. Now, was it unbelievable to see Gordon K- Gordon Hayward come out after a first half? He scored the first nine points for the Celtics in the third quarter. And like I, like I said, he can find ways to just create his own shots. Something that Tatum and Brown need to learn how to do. And speaking of Tatum, why does he suck at making layups? I don't get it. Like, if I'm the Celtics and I see that he is missing free throws in traffic, I mean, I'm sorry, not free throws, layups in traffic, every practice I'm getting four guys on him. I don't care if they're coaches. I don't care if it's Taco. Maybe it should be a coach and Taco. And just have Jason Tatum attack the rim as hard as he possibly can and finish with contact, et cetera, et cetera. Because if I saw Jason Tatum miss one more layup in this game, I was going to scream. He was terrible in this game. Jason Tatum was terrible in this game. He was 3 of 16 before he hit those couple big threes in the fourth quarter. So, sure, he hit those big shots. No one thinks about what he did before that, but we should because he played terrible. So it's good to see Tatum playing terrible, but then when it matters the most, he can make some jumpers. So, right? So so that's good. 
So we have to accept that. We have to be pleased by it. And we have to move on from it. But he needs to be more consistent. He really and truly does. And this team, just like I said last week, is only going to go as far as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go. So when you look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in this game, you go a combined 8 for seven, eight for 27, 8 boards, 6 assists. Celtics probably lost. Oh, they did. Yep, they did. Jalen has to stop making these stupid fouls, folks. I know I complained about it in the Pacers game. He did it again, and it was absolutely unbelievable. And Jalen wasn't great in the Pacers game just because of the fouls. Obviously, he had eight assists. He had a very solid first half. Tatum was okay in the Pacers game. But these back-to-back games, they both lose. Both of them don't show up in their all-star level. They're only showing, like, spurts of it. The only way you're an all-star in this league is if you're doing it every single night. And right now, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are doing it every single night. They can do it four or five games in a row, but then you can't suck for three games after that. So that's very frustrating. And what's really, really, really frustrating is the fact that Daniel Tyson, Daniel and Ennis Cantor in this game combined for 36 points and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 23. Let, Let that sink in, okay? Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor combined for 36 points. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum combined for 23 points. That sucks. That absolutely sucks. But nothing sucks as much as this Celtics bench does right now. It's a huge, huge problem. With about 7 minutes and 45 seconds left to go in the game, I think the exact time when I was looking at my notes, it was like 7.46 because I'm crazy and I literally like write notes into my phone while I'm at the game. Sometimes it works out for the podcast. Other times I, I skip over my notes because no one needs to hear what I have to say. But Kylo O'Quinn came in for Joel Embiid. The Celtics were tied. And you're like, okay, no Embiid. Embiid is destroying us. Simmons has like less than 10 points. Tobias Harris is having an okay game. Kyle O'Quinn should not be beating you in any way, shape, or form. And then the 76ers went on a 9-4 run in three minutes. And that's when I was like, I tweeted out that I was like embarrassed to be a Boston Celtics fan. But let's be serious. I literally have a tattoo of the Celtics on my back. I'm not embarrassed to be a Boston Celtics fan. I was just embarrassed to see a bench, a couple bench players outscore a really good group of Celtics players to win a game on the road that that they ugh, it was just so infuriating it really and truly was but even though i was really angry at that i'm pumped about ennis Cantor. ennis Cantor came out to play he did an amazing job against joel Embiid. he was better than tice but i mean it was nothing great i mean Embiid dropped 38 points but he only scored 12 of those against Cantor. Cantor was physical with them and I've been preaching about this this entire time. Ennis Cantor isn't going to be our regular season starter, our regular season go-to center. But when the playoffs slow down, when the games slow down in the playoffs, that's what I meant to say, Ennis Cantor is going to be good. It slowed down a little bit in this game. This game wasn't like a fast-paced game, I thought. I mean, sure, at times it was. But overall, it was kind of a slow-paced game, and Ennis Cantor had 20 and 9 and allowed Joel Embiid to only score 12 points. So, that's pretty good. But man, this this game just pissed me off so much. You know, you look at Brad, he even tried to hack a Simmons and he hit both free throws, pressured late in the fourth quarter on the road. And you're like, Jesus. 
you got to be kidding me. Like, nothing was working out. Mike Scott, and I told you guys, Mike Scott's one of those guys, like, if he gets hot, he gets hot. And he went 5 of 7 for 3. He only took 7 shots. All 7 of them were 3-pointers, and he made 5 of them. That was so infuriating. Absolutely so infuriating. But I will say a couple more things before we go get into canter banter. The Celtics did take care of the basketball. I thought they moved the ball pretty, pretty well. I thought the offense looked pretty good together. A little stale at times, you know, especially at the end of the third quarter when the when the 76ers kind of came back, and that's why they missed 11 shots inside the free throw line, which, again, is frustrating, but it happens. It's part of the NBA. The, bat, the NBA is a game of runs, and the 76ers made a really good run. But... Cantor playing at a good level is a good thing. The Celtics only having five turn, five or six turnovers, that is great. To play 48 minutes of basketball and to have that team only have five or six turnovers, I thought was a really, really good sign. But that's that. Not an ideal game, especially that final inbounds play. Oh, my God, that, that drove me absolutely nuts. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the 2019-2020 Boston Celtics season. Cantor banter. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby. Wow! Okay, so... There's Cantor Banter for you. Let's preview the upcoming week for the Boston Celtics. The Celtics, after the 76ers game on Thursday, have five days off. They do not play again until Wednesday, where they fly down to Dallas to play the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday night. And I believe that game is at 8.30. I don't think it's on ESPN. I just think it will be on NBC Sports Boston. But this is the longest that the Celtics will have to fly in the entire month of December. So there should be no excuses. Maybe come out a little rusty in the first quarter, but there should be no excuses that they lose this game. So let's preview this Mavs game. The last time these two teams played was on November 11th. The Celtics won by 10, and it was at TD Garden. That was the point where they it was a game where Gordon Hayward did not play. I think it was like the first or second game. When was that game? Yeah, it was actually the first game the Celtics didn't play. At the, it was the first game after Gordon Hayward got hurt. That's what I meant to say from the second I started speaking that sentence. But yes, this was the first game that the Celtics played after that little couple-game road trip where broke where Gordon Hayward broke his hand. The Celtics won three out of these four quarters. Jalen Brown dropped 25. Kemba had a classic fourth quarter to really put the game away. The Mavs didn't shoot the ball well that the Mavs didn't shoot the ball that well. Why can I talk? Why can I talk now? Like the podcast has like 10 minutes left. Like, why can I talk now? They shot 26% from three and that probably won't happen again, but it might because Luca sprained his ankle really bad and he's going to be missing a few weeks. And I hate to see that. I really and truly do. Luca has been such a joy to watch. When he played the Celtics on November 11th back at TD Garden, he dropped 34 points, nine assists, six games. And before he got injured Saturday night in Dallas against the Miami Heat, the 10 games before that, he was shooting 47 points from the field on average. He was averaging 30 points a game, 9 assists, and 8 boards. And then last Thursday against the Pistons, he dropped 41 points, 12 boards, and 11 assists. I want to play against great players, and Luka is one of the best players that the league has to offer. An absolutely incredible talent, and I wish him all the best. And speaking about wishing people all the best, one of my best friends, 
Dave Nazari, an absolute icon in my eyes, huge Dallas Mavericks, huge Dallas Mavericks fan. He got engaged over the weekend, so congratulations to Dave and Kim. I hope you guys don't go to the Celtics game because if you guys are there and I'm not, I'm going to be really angry and jealous. But, <coughs> but anyways. I was going to, I had this whole like preview about Luca that I was going to talk about like off the top of my head, but now they really don't have to worry about him because he's going to be out for a few weeks with that sprained ankle. One of the interesting things about that November 11th game at TD Garden against the Celtics and the Mavs was KP6, Kristaps Porzingis, was terrible in that game. He only played 20 minutes and he was 111 from the field. So obviously he's going to be the number one scoring option for them you also have Tim Hardaway Jr. and a couple other guys on that team that will be really good that will have to step up with Luka out and there is no way that KP6 will shoot one of 11 again but the flip side of that is if you remember properly that's when Jason Tatum went one of 18 that night at TD Garden so you figure KP6 plays better Jason Tatum plays better no Luka should be a Celtics victory the Celtics should beat this team Especially with no Luka. He's been such a focal point. I don't. I think the Mavs only played one game beforehand. They almost came back and beat the Miami Heat after Luka got hurt. Because I think Luka got hurt in that first quarter on Saturday night. Might have been the second quarter. But they fought back and they. I think they only lost by like three or four points. So that was, you know, that team has some heart. And we the Celtics have some heart too. So it should be a good game. The Celtics usually play pretty well down in Dallas. So it should be fun. But ever since the Celtics beat the Mavs on November 11th, they have beaten the Raptors. They have beaten the Rockets. They have beaten the Lakers, which you could argue are three of the top 10 teams in this league, but they're not very good at home, which is interesting. They're only like eight and five, eight and six at home, which I think is very interesting, but they're a better road team than they are a home team. So with the Celtics not beating a row, a not beating a team with a winning record on the road. This is a great opportunity to end that little streak, especially this season. Then Friday night, they come to TD Garden to play the Detroit Pistons at 7.30. Literally the only thing I have to say against the Detroit Pistons is rebound, 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 rebound. And then who will start? Will it be Cantor? Will it be Tice? Who is going to defend Andre Drummond? Who is going to box out Andre Drummond? Sure, we could all be like, dude, it's going to be Marcus Smart. You know it. Sure. Yeah, he he will probably go balls to the wall because Marcus Smart did not play all of last week due to an eye infection. I don't know what he has. I don't know if he has pink eye. I don't know if he lost an eyeball. I don't know what the hell happened, but he didn't play all last week. He didn't play in the Cavs game. He didn't play in the Pacers game. Did he play in the Cavs game? No, I don't think he played in the Cavs game. And He didn't play in the Pacers game. He didn't play in the 76ers game. So literally, Marcus Smart might have like a whole like 10 days off. So... He'll probably have enough energy to box out Andre Drummond, but Andre Drummond's no joke. He is probably going to get a million quadrillion rebounds, and I'll tell you why in a second. But the Pacers did have a very impressive win on Saturday night. They went down to Houston, and going into the game, they were only 3-9 and nine on the road this season. A terrible road team, and they went all the way down to Houston, and they beat the Houston Rockets. Incredible. So now they're, what, 4-9 on the road now? And this is also the first end of a back-to-back for them, so we'll be interested to see how they spread out their minutes because they do have a losing record right now. They're like five or six games below 500, and this team shouldn't be because I think this team is a playoff team. You know, if they're not, um, you know, a six or a seven seed, they should be fighting for the eighth seed at least. The East isn't that great. I mean, it's a little top-heavy, but, I mean, the East isn't that great. I mean, 
to be honest with you, the Pistons have played the Pacers three times this year, and the Pistons have beat the Pacers all three times, and the Celtics have played the Pacers once, and they lost to them. So this this can be a good team. This this really and truly can be a good team, and it's because of Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, in the last 10 games before going into Saturday's game against the Houston Rockets, this is what he had for rebounds. 15, 10, 22, 14, 14, 16, 19, 21, 18, and 17. Yikes! Who is gonna, who is gonna control that? Who is going to slow that down? I don't know. I really and truly don't know because you also have to realize someone's gonna have to block out Blake Griffin. He's finally back. He's healthy. Derek Rose. He's been unbelievable this season, especially in the fourth quarter. He's almost like the Pistons' closer. So obviously, who would you rather have close, Kemba Walker or Derek Rose? Kemba Walker right now, but I mean. Derrick Rose is playing great for them. 15 points a game, 5 assists. I, I'm really interested to see because Derrick Rose, I think, comes off the bench for the Pistons. Oh, I'd have to dig deeper, but for the little bit that I dig deep, dig deep and put in my notes, is he's come off the bench a little bit. And I'm interested to see the Brad Wanamaker-Derrick Rose matchup. Is Brad Wanamaker as fast as Derrick Rose? No, but he's physical. And I think that could slow Derrick Rose down a bit because Derrick Rose is the classic case of, ow, ow, please don't touch me, in my opinion. But one player that the Celtics have to look out for is a former Dukey, Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard, a lefty, went to Duke. I loved watching him play. He's a great, great shooter. He's having a great year for them. It's his third year in the league. He's averaging 16 points a game. In his first two years in the league, he had seven points on average in his first year and nine points in his second year. You add that up, 16 points a game. That's how much he's doing right now. He can get open. He can create his own shot. You can't leave him open. He's kind of like, I don't want to say like a homeless version of TJ Warren when I was talking about TJ Warren last week in the Indiana Pacers, but he can shoot the ball very, very well, and you don't want to leave him open, especially since the Pistons have the best three-point shooting percentage in the league. And we all know, like I mentioned, they did a good job against the Cavs, but the Nets a couple weeks ago, the Celtics really aren't the best defensive team when it comes to three-point shooting. So the Celtics have to defend the three-point line very, very well. All right, finally, Sunday, December 22nd, 6 p.m., the Charlotte Hornets are coming to town. Bad news for the Charlotte Hornets as of late because P.J. Washington just got hurt. P.J. Washington has been fantastic for the Hornets this year. Really, really good. They're 12-17 and 17 so far this year. You know, they lost to the Pacers. They got blown out by Pacers the other day. They beat the Bulls. They beat the Nets. They've beaten the Wizards. They've beaten the Warriors. Pistons twice on a home-and-home. You know, home. So they've been playing well. But P.J. Washington is out. And they've won three out of their last four games. So they're playing some pretty good basketball. And you can you can thank Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham should be your most improved player this year. If you look at his stats, you have read some articles about him. I've been reading some Hornets blogs about him, like going into this podcast. And he has just really excelled coming off the bench. Sometimes he starts, but coming off the bench, really being kind of like their – I don't want to compare him compare him to Lou Williams in any way shape or form since Lou Williams is like the greatest bench player of all time in my opinion but he's coming out and being their leading scorer and he's coming off the bench so it's it's very impressive to see the Hornets do match up against the Celtics very well because they have a lot of athletic wings like um why can I think uh Malik Monk he's very good um 
Nicholas Patum, he's pretty good. Miles Bridges is getting better and better every year. So they have some athletic wins that can match up with Gordon and Tatum and Hayward, etc., etc. But what I'm really excited for in this game is booing the living crap out of Terry Rozier. This is actually Terry Rozier's first official game back. The Hornets did play a preseason game here, but this is his first official game back at TD Garden, and I can't wait to boo him. And if they give him a video over Al Horford, I will riot. I will absolutely riot i will go b-a-n-a-n-a-s as gwen stefani would say i would go absolutely crazy but this is a game the last time these team these two teams played was kemba's return game i think it was like the first thursday in november the celtics won by 21 it's definitely a winnable game for this team you know the hornets do have their flashes where they can show up and beat anyone in the league but for the most part they're not consistent they're not reliable and it should be a good game box out don't let Malik Monk or Batum or Terry or Devontae Graham get hot for three. Do what you do. They should be fully capable of beating this team. I don't think Jalen Brown played in this game against the Hornets. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought someone missed the game. And I can't think of who it was. Hold on. Now now, now that I mention it, now I really and truly want to know. Because this game, da, 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 da. let's see here. You guys don't mind if I'm doing this, right? No, of course not. Please don't shut it off. The podcast is almost over. I swear to God, Jalen Brown didn't play in this game. Uh, Marcus Smart didn't play in this game. See? No, he did play in this game. Wow, everyone played in this game. I could have sworn someone missed it. But yeah, in this game, Tatum scored 20. Gordon scored 20. Kemba only scored 14. That was the game where him and Terry Rogier both shot the ball very, very poorly. Like in the first half, I think they both only made one. But this is a... This is a game, they take control of the ball, they hit their three-pointers, they rebound well. It will be a good game for this Boston Celtics team. And this is definitely a 3-0 and type week for the Boston Celtics. Like, I'd actually be pretty pissed if they don't win all three of these games. Like, Sunday at about 8.30, they should have their 20th win of the season. And that's that. So thanks so much for listening to the 60th edition of the Banner Branch Podcast. I can't believe I've done 60 of these. I can't believe you've been listening for 60 episodes either. So thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys soon. And uh, I will be releasing a podcast on Monday, the 23rd, a little holiday special. And what I mean by that is I don't like Christmas. So I'm just going to be talking about the previous week, the week that I just talked about, and then previewing a pretty important week for the Boston Celtics, especially in the standings. They play the Toronto Raptors twice, one of those days being on Christmas. So we'll recap all that. And I hope you guys are enjoying your holiday season. And we'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.